Good morning, Door Creek. I'm Pastor David, one of the teachers here, one of the pastors here at Door Creek Church, uh, campus pastor of Northside Madison. Glad to be with you this morning uh, to talk about our new series, The Struggle is Real. And I think that is such a great um, example of how life can be sometimes. Uh, it's, it's a struggle trying to pull things, trying to get things together. Sometimes trying to make it to church this morning is, is like that. Um, you know, it's, it's a struggle. And so um, we're going to dig into this series and uh, we're going to be talking about this morning relational health. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, relational health. Relationships can be a struggle, right? Relationships are a struggle. They are complicated. They are complex. I, I think I'm a complicated person. My wife would probably agree with that. Um, I'm complex, you know. I try to be good. I try to be, you know, the, the good husband. And um, I think I'm doing okay after 30 years. But, um, you know, relationships are, they're, they're, they're tough. They're tough. And it is a struggle. And so we're going to dig into um, to the Bible. We're going to be looking at an example of a relationship, uh, a story that many of you are, are probably familiar with. Um, we're going to be looking into this and we're going to be looking at relationship and what it takes, what it takes to uh, uh, to build or to maintain, to have a healthy relationship. OK, so think about to yourself, you don't have to answer out loud, but think about what it is that you struggle with most with relationships. As the Jeopardy music is playing in your head, think about what it is that you struggle with most in your relationship. And how you can improve that, how you can make that better, stronger, how you can be a better person in a relationship. Okay, not think about how the other person can be, how you can change the other person, but how, what can I do to bring more health to my relationships? What can I do to bring more strength to my relationships? I want you to think about that. And then think about uh, what, does, what a healthy relationship looks like. Okay? Because if you don't know what it looks like, you won't recognize it, right? You won't know, you won't know if you're in a healthy relationship or if you're not in a healthy relationship. You, know, you, know, you might go through life saying, well, this person really bugs me all the time, or this person really gets on my nerve, but I think I'm in a healthy relationship, or you know, I really can't stand being around this person, but I think we're in a healthy relationship. I'll recognize what a healthy relationship is. It's a giving and it's a taking. It's a giving and a receiving. All right. So think about that as we go through uh, the message here and how God, how the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart to help you be uh, what he wants you to be. So Jesus, his relationships, he had a relationship with uh, there's 12 disciples. OK, he had a relationship and they were a, a group of, of men, dysfunctional men. You know, you say they had dysfunctions. Uh, notice there weren't any ladies in it. So, you know, if it was if it was ladies and you know, probably didn't have wouldn't have as many dysfunction. But it was men. They they came with all kind of issues and all kind of things. You know, you got Peter. You got the impulsive one, Peter. Peter would would talk sometimes before he thought. OK, you know, I do that sometimes. Sometimes I say, oh, can I grab that back? You know, Peter was impulsive. Then you got John. The brother of James, uh, he was uh, judgmental. He was you know, one of his attributes. He was judge, judgmental. His brother James, he was short tempered. I remember these brothers wanted a prominent seat in the kingdom. They wanted to be on the right and left hand of Jesus. We got Matthew, the despised tax collector. He was like an outcast. Then we have Judas, the treacherous one, the one who betrayed Jesus. 
And you got Thomas. Thomas was from Missouri. Show me state, huh? He said, show me. Unless I see, I won't believe. All right, Thomas. Jesus had to deal with all of these. You had Philip, uh, a man of uncertainty. He had a questioning attitude, you know, questioned many things, you know, and, and he didn't always take it for um, face value, but he questioned them. So Jesus had relationships with these men, and these, they only named about seven of them, but he had relationships, and these relationships were complicated. They were complex, but the key to these relationships that Jesus had is that Jesus was constant, consistent, he was loving, he was flexible, he was forgiving, he looked beyond their, their um, dysfunctions, and he loved them through it. He loved them through it. They could depend on Jesus. They knew that Jesus would be there for them. They knew that Jesus would never leave them. Jesus would love them through thick and through thin. And that is important in any healthy relationship is that you have to be consistently honorable, honest, true and loving. And Jesus represented all of these with his disciples. Now, he also, the three dimensions of Jesus' relationship, he had a relationship with his father, which was a, a perfect relationship. He said, my father and I are one. Okay? He had a relationship with his father. He had a relationship with the disciples, of course. He was their teacher. He was their leader. Right? And they followed, they were his disciples because they followed his teachings. They were disciplined to his teachings. And then he had a relationship with the believers, us. He's our Lord and he's our Savior. And we follow him, we obey him, we honor him, and we love him with our lives and with our hearts. So those relationships that Jesus had, listen, he has the most, he has the hardest job ever because he has, he has to love us, number one, whether we are good, whether we are bad, he still loves us. Now, aren't there people that you would, um, might say, eh, a lot of love, little love. You wouldn't say no love at all, you know, right? Because we're, 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 we're commanded to love, right? But, you know, you, you, you might distribute that love and feel that love lesser with, with some people, all right? But the thing is, is the bottom line is that we have the love of Christ and we have to practice the love of Christ, meaning I have to forgive those who hurt me. I have to forgive those who use me. I have to um, forgive those who are my enemies. I have to love them. Now, I always say this. Um, the people said, and you've heard me say it before. You can, we must love, but we don't have to like. Right? We must love, but you don't have to like. You think Jesus liked Judas? You think Judas was one Jesus wanted to hang around with, be around with? No, but he loved Judas. Even though Judas had no heart for Christ, he still loved him. So Jesus' relationships were deep. They were, they were great. They were strong. And we have that relationship with him. His relationships were fueled by agape love, faithfulness, commitment, and a will. Okay? Agape love, unconditional. No matter what you do, I still love you. I'm still in relationship with you. You walk away, I, have, I, I go nowhere. I'm still here. When you decide to come back, I'll still be here. And I'll welcome you with open arms. And that's what we're going to see today in this story in, in, in the Bible, the relationship, the complicated. It's called, the message is called, It's Complicated. So we're going to go to um, St. Luke, 15th chapter. St. Luke, the 15th chapter. 
If you grab your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, your iPods, or your eyeglasses. So this story, just to give you a little, little update, we're not going to read through the whole um, entire chapter, but just to give you a little bit of, um, of um, background. This is a story about the prodigal son. <clears throat> uh, there was a man who had two sons, an older one and a younger one. Uh, and the younger one decided that he wanted to take his inheritance. He wanted to take everything that was due, due to him, and he wanted to, to live. He wanted to live life the way he wanted to. He went to his father, and he asked for... Um, his inheritance. His father gave it to him. He left home and went out and he lived a wild life, lived a riotous life, not a righteous, but a riotous life. He lived wild. He did things that he shouldn't have done. He, he saw things, uh, you know, he just, he just lived wild. He let it all hang out. To the point he came, there was a famine and he ran out of money. He ran out of all of his inheritance and he was now poor, broke, hungry, homeless. Uh, that's so bad that he wished to be like a hired servant. He wished to eat of the things that the pigs were eating of, the pods of the pig. He just was in a bad state. He had hit rock bottom. He got what he asked for. His father loved him, gave him what he asked for, and let him go about and live his life to be free, to be a free bird and do what you want to do. So he went and he found out life is complicated. Life is a struggle. Life isn't easy. Relationships are not easy. Ah, but he knew that he had a father at home who loved him. He knew he had a father at home. He had a relationship in, with his father that was strong. Even though he was now beginning to question how his relationship would be once he went back to his father. He said, if I could be just like a hired servant, which means he wasn't thinking about going back to get right back in the place as a son, but he was thinking that he would go back and get in the place of a hired servant. I'll work my way back up to being a son. I'll start out as a hired servant and I'll work my way back up. So he lived, he was homeless, he was hungry, he was destitute. He had nothing. He had no friends. He was an outcast and he was ashamed of his life. And this is what he said, starting at verse 17. When he came to his census, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He came to his census. He began to ask himself questions. You know, my hired servants even have a better life than me. How much food do they have and food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm a son. I belong with my father. But my hired, the hired servants are living a better life than me. They have a better relationship with my father than I do. There's a disconnect with me and my father that the higher servants have that I don't have, a connection. That he comes to his senses and he realizes. This is when the light bulb goes on. This is when we say, oh my, yes, did I forget? Oh, I remember. He remembered who he was. He says, I will set out and I will go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called 
your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Okay, so he's practicing what he's going to say. He's getting it all in his mind and his heart. This is what I'm going to say to my father. I'm going to say, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But make me like one of your higher servants. You think my father will buy this? You think he'll accept that? Do, is our relationship strong enough? Is there enough depth in our relationship that he will buy this? That he will believe this? That he will receive this? Well... Here it goes. He's heading back home. So, but while he was still a long way off, he's not even close yet to home. He's still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion. Remember that word, compassion. His father. Now, for his father to see him, in my mind, makes me think that maybe he was looking for him. Because he was still a far way off. He wasn't like in the yard, the courtyard of where they live. He was still far away off and his father saw him. Bless God that even when I decide to repent, turn around, but I got a ways to go that the father in heaven, he sees me. Hallelujah. He sees me carrying all of my junk, carrying my load, broken, homeless, hungry, destitute. And he sees me. He sees me a far ways off. Aren't you glad that God can see in the gutter? That God, he saves from the uttermost, the guttermost to the uttermost. That he can see through where you may be stuck in life, where your relationship might be stuck, God sees it. You might feel alienated, a foreigner, distant from God, but he sees you. Hallelujah. He sees you. So the son, barefooted, stomach growling, hungry, cold, and the father's filled with compassion and he sees him. Now, what did the father do? What was the father's reaction? Was the father's reaction say, hmm, I see him coming. This is what he gets. I'm going to wait till he gets there. I'm going to let him come and gravel, you know, just, oh, father, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting. No, what does his father do? His father's filled with compassion. For him, so he ran. He ran to his son. He didn't wait for his son to get there. He ran to his son. Do you do you understand that? He ran. The father was so excited to see his son, even though he might not have looked like his son, might have had a beard, might have had long hair, might have looked, maybe lost a little weight. I don't know. Didn't look like his son, but he was filled with compassion. There was some connection that the father didn't wait for him to get to him. He ran to him, fell on his neck. What it says. He ran to him, threw his arm around him and kissed him threw his arms around him and kissed him. The kiss represents welcome back. Bless you. Welcome home. I receive you. Threw his arms around him, let him know 
everything's all right. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. He didn't shake his fingers at him. He didn't give him a lecture. He didn't say, didn't I tell you, his father hasn't spoken a word. All he did was gestures. He ran, hugged him, kissed him. No words. Nothing did he say. He didn't say, where have you been? He didn't say, didn't I tell you? Didn't he say, did you learn your lesson? He didn't say, see, that's what you get. I knew you'd come running back home. He didn't. He loved him. He loved him because that relationship wasn't a shallow. It was a deep relationship with a father and a son who loved him. I imagine the son was probably surprised. He's doing all this. He's kissing me. He's hugging me. He's running to me. No, think about you. Think about your life when you've been in a bad place in your life and you might have strayed away from God. And then you came to your senses and said, you know what? I need to go back to God. I need to go back. And as you made up your mind and you say, you know, I got a long way to go. And the father comes and he greets you and he meets you and he hugs you and he lets you know it's all right. He sends another believer your way to let you know it's going to be okay to hug you, to give you a kiss, to let you know it's all right. That's the father's love. That's the relationship. We have a vertical relationship with God. We have a horizontal relationship with one another. And if this is not right, this can't be right. This is strong because this is strong. So here the son was coming back home. And the father was all over him. He was all over him. But this is not the end of it. <laughs> Remember, father still hasn't said a word. As far as what we see, he hasn't said a word. Everything has been gestures. Don't tell me that gestures don't have power. Don't tell me that a hug doesn't do great things for a person. Hmm? Have you ever had somebody hug you and it just meant the world to you, just made you feel so good inside? Didn't say a word. Hugged him, kissed him, wrapped his arms around him. The son, what he had practiced, this is what he said to his father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Hey, simple. Simple, not complicated. Just what he said he was going to do, he did. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I did wrong. I repent. I turn. I wasted everything that you gave me. I'm sorry. I learned my lesson. I've been humbled. But I know I can come back to you because you will never turn me away. Your love is agape. Your love is everlasting. Your love is forever. Your love draws us. Your love changes us your love frees us and saves us and clothes us your love so after he said that the father said to his servants now who's the father talking to has he still said anything to his son <laughs> he's talking now he's talking to his servant still 
Only the gestures are carrying his son through all of this. Not a word. And this wasn't a silent treatment that the father was giving him. Mm, I'm not saying nothing to you. He's going to do. No, he was speaking with his arms. He was speaking with his lips, meaning the kiss. He was speaking with the gesture to come to him. Not a word. The son spoke. Forgive me. But the father said to the servants, quick, quick, bring the best robe. Wait a minute. To this, to this thing? Bring the, you know, I got a robe that's kind of used. Got a few holes in it and stuff like that. But it'll warm them up. It'll, 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 it'll dress them up. The father said, no, when one comes back, bring me the best stuff. Don't bring me secondary. Bring me the best. Bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put it on him, which it symbolizes to us a covering that you're home, you're safe. You're restored. You're being restored. The roll, put it on him. And they put a ring on his finger. He's still talking to the servants. Put a ring. A ring represents relationship. Mm-hmm. A ring. I have a ring. My wife has a ring. It represents relationship, commitment, long lasting. Sometimes friends give each other friendship rings, meaning that we are in a relationship, a friendship relationship. When you're engaged, you give a relationship to your, 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 um, your, 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 the person you're engaged to. Fiance. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the person you're engaged. Fiance. Because it's a relationship. It's a commitment. So he says, put a ring on his finger because I want him to know that we're in relationship again. I want him to know that everything is all right. Put a roll, put a ring on him because we're back. We're coming back. Still hasn't said anything to the son. But all of these gestures are showing the son that everything's going to be all right. Then he said, put sandals on his feet. Sandals because he was barefoot. He was homeless. Sandals represent restoration. Give him some shoes. His feet are hurt. They're probably blistery. They're probably, he's probably very uncomfortable. Put some sandals on his feet because he's home. Then he said, bring the fattened calf. Bring the fattened calf. Don't bring a calf. Don't bring a fattened calf, but bring the fattened calf. That means there must have been a special calf fattened for a special occasion. And the father said, bring the fattened calf. They wouldn't mistake and say, now, which one do you think he's talking about? Think he's talking about this fat one? Uh, maybe that fat one. Uh, maybe, no, maybe some of this. No, the, oh, this is the fattened calf. So again, the father is picking out the best for his son who was lost, who was disobedient or just riotous. And now he's giving him the best. God, thank you that when I fall, you still love me. You still give me the best. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Woo. Wow. The fattened calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and celebrate. For this of mine, this son of mine, he's claiming who he is. He's naming who he is, relationship. This son of mine, not servant, 
not hired servant, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They're dancing all around. They're, they're waiting for the fattened calf to be done so they can dig in and eat and have a good time. Still, the father said nothing to his son. How would you feel? You run away from home, you come back, and your parents, they didn't verbally, they didn't say anything to you, but they're treating you like royalty. Me, I'd probably say, say something. You know, yell at me, scream at me, do something, just let me know that, you know, you understand, we understand what's going on here. But you're not doing any of those things because when we're hurt, when we're down, when we're out, a healthy relationship doesn't kick you down, it picks you up. A healthy relationship doesn't make you feel worse than you do, it helps mend your brokenness. It helps heal your brokenness. That's what a healthy relationship does, the compassion kicks in. The understanding kicks in. The forgiveness kicks in. The strength kicks in. So they're celebrating. And this is where it gets complicated. Meanwhile, go to another scene. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? He asked him, so what's going on? All the, the music and the celebration out, out in the field working and you guys up here at the house celebrating and eating. So he's talking to the servant. The servant says, your brother. Mm. There's a relationship title. The servant said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Wouldn't that be a key to the older son? My brother is back safe and sound. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. Let me sell it. Give me a leg. Pass me some of the white meat. Give me a glass of wine. Celebrate my brother's home. There was something wrong with that relationship. That relationship was not healthy. Eh? The older brother became angry. The fattened calf? You mean the one that we've been holding out for Something real special, like when, when I get married or, you know, when I come of age to do, you know, that fattened calf. So he becomes angry and he said, I'm not going in. I'm going to stand out here and I'm going to pout. I remember reading in, in Jeremiah when, when God asked the Israelites, he said, who will go aside and ask how thou doest? You know, you pout as though God's going to say, oh, are you okay? 
it's going to be all right. Oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. All of a sudden, he's going to sit. He's going, I'm not going in. And if I don't go in, that means I'm not celebrating. I'm going to stay right here. And here has a wonderful father once again. Once again. So the oldest son refused to come in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. The father, he moved. He went out. This father was always going out. He went out to meet the young son. He's going out to plead with the older son. Let me tell you, our father, if you, if you haven't gotten it yet, our father will go after you. Amen. Amen. Our father will come after us because he has a commitment. He's compassionate. He loves us. He's there for us through thick and through thin. He will go out after you. So he went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, look. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders until now. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. An unhealthy relationship is about one sidedness. An unhealthy relationship is about what you have not done for me. What I deserve you should give me. That's an unhealthy relationship. And this is what the older son was doing. He was correcting his father, I guess kind of rebuking his father. Say, look, I have slaved for you all these years and I have never disobeyed you. And you never even gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. Not talking about the fat and calf, but you have never given, given me a goat to celebrate with. The loving father. Then, oh, well, look, 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 look what he says, the older brother. He says, but when this son of yours, <laughs> huh? He's breaking the bond with his brother. He didn't say, this brother of mine. He said, this son of yours, meaning I have nothing to do with it. I'm not a part of this. This is your son. Me and my wife have this thing that when our kids do something, she said, that's your child. <laughs> that's your child. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Try it once. <laughs> we said, but your son, this son of yours. And I'm going to remind you what he's done. Who has squandered your property with prostitutes. He comes home and you kill the fattened calf for him. Okay, I don't even know this boy. I don't even know him, but he's your son, not my brother. He's your son. Okay, because the father made sure they understood this is my son, but the brother had one to have nothing to do with it. He put him off on his father. It's your son, not my brother, your son. He squandered it all and you're celebrating. And the father reiterates, he said, my son, you are always with me. So he even claims the elder son, he even lets him know, even though you're acting crazy, you're sounding like some strange person, you're still my son. He said, you're my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, 
He brings it back. He said, you can call him my son all you want, but I'm going to let you know he's your brother. You can call him, name him, claim him, anything you want, but I'm going to let you know he's your brother. So people of God, let's not get so high on the horse. Let's not get so high on the hog. Let's not get so uppity that when somebody falls and someone is hurt, that you look at it and say, your follower, your believer. No, you still are related. You are still in a relationship. They still are your brother and sister. Because if he's our father, then you're my brother, my sister. If he is our father, we are related. Amen. Say amen on that. If we call him father, he calls us sons and daughters. That means we are brothers and sisters. The brother of yours. Don't ever forget that. The brother of yours. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You ought to celebrate that. That he has come home. He has dragged himself back. He has swallowed his pride. Yeah, he was out of all of his, 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 his inheritance. Yes, he was broken. Yes, he was hungry. Yeah, you could hear his stomach, you know, hungry and wanted some food. Yeah, he was cold. He didn't have shoes on his feet. Yeah, he was in a strange uh, country. Yeah, he was living riotously, doing all these things, guilty as charged. But when he decided to come back, when he decided to repent, when he decided to make the relationship great again, when he decided to make the relationship healthy again, he knew what to do. He came back and I received him. And you must receive him also. There is no probation period. Show me you can do good for nine, for six months. Then you can come on in. Then we may look at a baby goat. You've done me wrong and I just don't trust you. If you don't trust them, then it's not a healthy relationship. There are relationships. Okay. Having an unhealthy relationship is a relationship. Right. But God wants us to have healthy relationships. A bad relationship's. Bad relationship, signs for a bad relationship, it's tedium, tedious. There's blame, there's guilt, there's tension, there's uncertainty, there's frustration, and there's hopelessness. It's a bad, that's an unhealthy relationship. But a healthy relationship is about compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, Patience, forbearance, and forgiveness. Furthermore, it's about love, support, trust, restoration, compromise, and covenant. That's a healthy relationship. So do we have a healthy relationship vertically with God? And do we horizontally have a healthy relationship with each other, friends, families, co-workers, 
schoolmates? Do we have a healthy relationship? Internally, it starts internally. How do I feel about myself? Am I worthy to have a relationship that's healthy? So, wherever you are this morning, and wherever your relationship is this morning, I want you to know if it's unhealthy, it can be brought back to health. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it can be established this morning. He's the only one that if we don't walk with him and receive him, then there's no relationship. If we accept him and receive him as Lord and as Savior, then we have a relationship with God, Father, Son, Father, Daughter, Father, Children, Believers. So this morning, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, have a relationship with him, or maybe restore, get in a healthy place, it starts with your attitude, your heart, your will. I'm going to pray this morning that you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and you walk in healthy relationships. Okay? Fuel it by the word of God and by prayer. Repeat these words. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ, you're the son of God. You died for my sins. You rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved. And I am in relationship, healthy relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God for you all.